This is the Adopted Mom Podcast. Adoption may look different for each family, but we need solidarity from other crazy people who took this leap. And that is what we do here. We encourage, we build up, we share the wins and losses. We lean on each other and we get through this together. Thanks for joining us. Welcome to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. My name is Alex Fitton, and today I am bringing you Season 3, Episode 9. We are unpacking one of the hardest questions when it comes to adoption. What will this do to my bio kids? When we bring in kids from hard places, we're bringing in darkness to into our homes. And that can be hard and scary, even for our bio kids. So will this damage them forever? Will it deny them the life they would have lived if not for our yes? Who better than to answer these questions than a bio kid? Abby Hutchins is a college student whose family has added eight adopted kids to their two bio, bringing their total to 10. 10 kids, you guys. That's so many. On top of that, Abby was not super young when her family began their journey, so she was old enough to remember life before the craziness. She's also, um, they have one adopted kid who is older than her, and she's like pseudo-adopted, but other than that, Abby is the oldest, so she gets to be the helper, and um, we're going to unpack that too. She's incredibly wise for her age, and so I am so honored that she shared with us on the show. Um, a few housekeeping items. I'm still running my sticker special for the adopt for National Adoption Month. When you sign up for my email list at theadoptivemompodcast.com slash email. So what are you waiting for? Sign up now and get a sweet AMP sticker right to your mailbox. A bunch of you already have, and I can't wait to see those pics of what you did with your sticker. So tag me in them. Um, also, that special I mentioned with the Family Seal Company, I'm announcing it on Facebook Live and Instagram Live today, but as today as of this recording, but I wanted to go ahead and give you early listeners a sneak preview. So we're teaming up to give away one of their original adoption t-shirts for National Adoption Month. And better yet, you get to choose the color. Mine is pink because AMP, obviously. But you can choose whichever color makes you happiest if you win. To enter, you will need to make sure you're following me on social media. And those links are on the show notes or you can just search for me or the podcast. You also need to go follow the Family Seal Company. And those links are in the show notes too. And then you'll need to tag three friends who have been blessed by adoption on any of our posts about this contest. Mine or hers. We will choose the winner soon. Um, All right, let's carry this excitement over to our chat with Abby Hutchins. All right, guys, so when we talk about adoption, often we, I mean, one of the first things that comes out of parents' minds is they're wondering how it's going to affect their bio kids. And they're worried that their kids will feel jealous, that they won't get enough attention, that it's going to have a negative you know, effect on them. And so I am really excited about today's guest because we get to just hear it from the source. With that said, welcome, Miss Abby. How's it going? Good. I'm excited. Yeah. So, okay. So, I, I mean, obviously, I think people could assume that you're from an adoptive family, but not only that, but you're the oldest of nine. Um, yeah, of nine. Yeah, nine kids. That's a lot of kids. <laughs> um, and you were a teenager when that all mm-hmm. started, right? So, okay. So before we jump into the whole story, though, tell us just a little bit about you, yourself. Yeah. So I'm 18 years old. I graduated high school last spring. And so I've um, been working towards going to college. Um, I plan on being an elementary school teacher. Um, and in my free time, I love to volunteer um, at a couple elementary schools around here, um, I'm super artsy. I love hand lettering. I love spending time with my family. Um, and I love foster care and adoption. And so, um, it's been a big part of my life. And so I'm really excited to talk about it. Yeah. Um, good gosh. You're like the, the poster child for overachiever. Um, listeners, First if born. you have, if you have 18 and above boys, <laughs> I'm single. You, you can email me. at <laughs> Um, but yeah, seriously, like I was not that responsible and I'm also an oldest child. So you got a lot going on and I know that that's part of your story is just that, uh, that personality of yours and how it's sometimes been a downside for you and just expectations. But so, I mean, you're in college and you're still living at home, right? Or Mm -hmm. you're you're kind of starting college. You, you were homeschooled. So I know there was that kind of like fuzzy overlap with (laughs) high school and college. Right. So I have some college credits, but I'm still at home. Right. Um, So, okay. Tell us about your family's adoption story. 
Yeah, so I always dreamed of having a big family. It was, um, for 11 years, it was just me, my parents, and my biological sister, who's two years younger than me. And I always wanted this huge family because in the homeschool community, I mean, that's what it is. It's the stereotype of these huge families with (laughs) 15 passenger vans. Yeah. And so I always wanted that because that's what my friends had. And I think God just laid that desire on my heart. And so I remember being really young and praying for that and praying for a big family and lots of siblings. And I always thought that my mom would have another baby or we would adopt from some faraway place like China or somewhere because that's the only like concept of adoption that I had. I didn't (laughs) even know foster care was a thing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so all of a sudden I was like, I think I was 12 or 13 and my parents started acting really weird. Like they were all of a sudden having to like talk to each other privately or my mom would have to go run an errand and we couldn't go with her, which was really odd. (laughs) And so I figured something was up and I found this post-it note with four girls' names on it. And I was like, mom, what is this? And she got really scattered and flustered and was like, oh, um, I just think those are some girls we should be praying for. (laughs) And I was like, um, yeah, right. I mean, my 13 year old brain, I was like, something is up. Yeah. And so you weren't stupid. Right. And so I think it was the next day or the day after that, my parents told us that we were adopting a sibling group for foster care. And I was like, oh, okay. Like I was so excited. And I think if knowing what I know now, I don't know if I would have been so excited, but I was so like naive and I didn't know what was going on. And so I thought it was fun and we were just going to be this huge, normal, happy family with cute kids. I mean, yeah, I didn't know anything Happily different. Ever after. Right. Um, so our first sibling group that ever came to us as foster, we were actually matched with um, and they were foster to adopt. So they were two, three and four at the time. And their case was super messy and complicated. But after I think it was six or nine months, I can't remember which one, but they were adopted in August of 2014. Um, and then we continued fostering and we got a two-year-old girl and shortly thereafter we got her six-year-old brother and their adoption was finalized, um, last, like the last summer in the summer of 2017. And then that was our second sibling group that we adopted. Mm -hmm. And then not even a month ago, we adopted a sibling group of two and they're 12 and 13. So a little bit older, that was a little bit different. Um, so now my house is full of littles and middles of yeah. all ages but you get your own room right 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 praise the lord yeah i was gonna say that's a miracle um, yeah that many children. <laughs> so okay i'm trying to decide like where to even start because there's so many layers to your story yeah um and first of all you know you were not young when i mean this was not something that you were just born into mm-hmm. that wasn't your whole family story from the beginning you know Um, and it sounds like maybe you desired a big family, but you were not really part of the decision making, right? Yeah. I really wasn't part of that initial decision to do foster care. I just knew I wanted a big family and then God also laid that on my parents' hearts. And so Mm -hmm. they made that decision. And so you could say we were kind of thrown into it, but we weren't unhappy about it. Right. But, and I know that, I mean, we, we talked before and I know that ultimately you were not unhappy about it, but this, for I me, mean, for the sake of this podcast, we we want to we want to answer some of these questions that mm-hmm. these parents have when they're they're scared that their bio kids are going to be you know damaged to her life or whatever. <laughs> um, which is, I'm not making fun of those people. That's a genuine yeah. fear. It's you know I understand that, but you were not always just thrilled to death right. about the situation. Um, talk to us about that and you can be specific and go, you know, about each sibling group or just however you want to do. You don't have to name names, but you know. Yeah. So I think with our first sibling group that we adopted, um, they came into our home about a month after we opened and we were able to do visits with them before just to kind of get to know them. But when they moved into our home, like chaos hit um, because we went from having me and my sister who were she was almost a teenager I was a teenager our house was pretty quiet and calm and then we had a two three and four year old and not only that but kids these kids have been through like traumatic experiences mm-hmm. and so that initial transition was really hard like we joke that we don't even remember the first six months because <laughs> it's just like a blur we were trying to survive basically mm-hmm. um And it was really hard when the oldest, um, she came actually the day after she turned five, but she really had a lot of anger and she was testing us to see if, um, 
you know, we say we love her, but do we really? Mm -hmm. And she was trying to get those reactions out of us and trying to um, see how far she could push us. And that was really hard because I wasn't expecting that at all. Whenever my parents said we were adopting a sibling group, I just assumed that it would be, they would come into our house and it would be like all normal Mm -hmm. um, because I didn't know anything about trauma or attachment or anything like that. And so when I think about hard times, like that was the hardest time, that initial jump into foster care and adoption Mm -hmm. because we had no idea what we were doing. And we had these three kids who needed a family, but at the same time were struggling with stuff of their own. Yeah. And so was there a time when, um, when you thought to yourself, you know, I'm, I'm over it. Like I wanted this, but I'm done. Yeah, I remember thinking, um, is this what my life is going to be like now? Just um, chaos and turmoil and not knowing, are these kids going to get to stay or are they going to have to go? Or are they ever going to love my parents like we love them? Are they ever going to, I guess, fit in? Like, are we ever going to be able to go do things and go places without tantrums and Mm. falling apart? Um, And I remember thinking, like, I wish they had never come, which now that like kills me that I ever said that because we've come so far but then like as a 13 year old who didn't know anything like I was I really didn't in those first six months I was like I don't want this anymore Mm -hmm. because it's not what I expected it to be like yeah and so I mean I know that the second one was not as traumatic you guys were kind of it was already chaotic so why not add a couple more um, and I know that this last one, it's a little bit different because they're mm-hmm. older. Um, and I know that with attachment and everything, that's just, that's always going to be different when they're mm-hmm. older. But, you know, if you, I think that you're saying, you know, that it kills you. And I think that it's really important that you're able to vocalize that and be honest with yourself that you had those feelings. Cause that's something even I, as an adult, um struggled with for a long time just being in denial and pushing those feelings down and pretending like they didn't exist so the fact that you can verbalize those things and also verbalize them with your parents I mean that shows that your parents are there and that they're safe and that you feel safe with them and I just I think that that all points to really good things Mm -hmm. um so I want to highlight something that you've been talking about so as you've been talking you've said the words us and we a lot oh yeah and I think that that is really interesting because so many, so many bio kids, I think would just, um, or this is the parent fear, you know, that their kids are just going to be smashed against the wall. Like, no, you know, nobody cares about them anymore. So they're just going to run off and do whatever they want, or they're going to feel neglected or whatever. And I know that this us and we mentality that you have has a positive and a negative side. So let's talk about the positive first. So I think that it's really great that you have had such a hands-on approach to your family's story. Um, what are the things, what are some of the things that you specifically do for your family? Um, I think just being the oldest, I kind of act as that. I don't want to say second mom, but like my parents are the parents kind of. and they're in ch- <laughs> right, right. Kind of like my parents are the parents and they're in charge. But at the same time, like I'm my mom's right hand girl. Like, If there's laundry that needs to be done, I'm helping the little kids do that. And my biological sister does the same thing. She's 16 now. And so we kind of act as those, like, main forces with my mom, especially when my dad is working. Mm -hmm. We're kind of, like, running the house. Um, A lot of my jobs involve, like, taking the kids places because I'm able to drive, um, taking them to therapy or taking them just on dates to spend time with them or to get them out of the house. Um... I'm super obsessed with their clothes and their hair and making sure they look nice and presentable. And so I do that a lot. I'm just getting them ready to go places. Um, and then also like with, as far as bedtime wise, some of my siblings prefer to like help in the kitchen at bedtime. Whereas I like to be in with the kids and like reading them a story or helping put them to bed and just being kind of like, I guess, big sister but also like second mom like the little kids look at me more of as an, of a hmm? more of an authority mm-hmm. um than my my sister my sister plays with them more and is more of like um I don't want to say the she's fun, the fun one. parent she, yeah she's the, the fun <laughs> parent and I'm the authoritative authoritative one oh, that's um but I think they see me more as as a I, why can't I say that <laughs> it's okay uh, of an authority um And so 
that's got its good side and bad side, but I'm definitely my mom's like second in command, I guess. Yeah. And so I think, I mean, that that's interesting and I'm not trying to like bum anyone out, but I mean, considering taking a second and thinking about the teenager child, it's not really childhood anymore, but like the adolescence that you could have had, you know, you could be sleeping until 11. <laughs> you could just like have a normal job at a fast food restaurant or just whatever and like do what you want to do and that's not your life do you ever mourn that I think sometimes but my parents do a really really good job of making sure that I'm able to do the things that I want to do and I mean sometimes they look at me and say you know it is a sacrifice we need you home right now to help watch the kids because we're a big family and we're a team and we chip in together. But at the same time, they do a great job of making sure if I want to go to a friend's house, I can go do that. Mm-hmm. Or if I want to go on a trip, um, my dad will take me and we'll just make sure we have someone at home helping my mom with the kids. And so they do a really good job at that. But then there are some times where I wish we could all go see a movie together. Mm-hmm. Like a no- quote-unquote normal family yeah. would be able to do, and we just can't do that. Or um, go to, like, a party all together. We can do that, but we stay, like, an hour, and then we've got to go home, get the right. kids to bed, get them in pajamas, you know, all those things. And, and so stressful. Right. And so sometimes I have wished in the past that we could just be a normal family, and we could hang at a party or we could go do those things but at the same time my parents have done a really good job of making sure that I'm able to do the things that I want to do yeah I think that's great um and I think it I mean that must have taken intentionality on your parents part because as as a stressed out parent I can only imagine that that's I mean that's a sacrifice on their part too and I think that that's great um but it I'm sure it takes intentionality to not just do what's easy, which would be to have you there to help or whatever, um, but to do what's best for you too. Mm-hmm. Their bio kids slash just their kid along with all the other kids. And it doesn't always work either. I mean, some there are days where like I want to be going to do this with friends, and I have to say no. I have to stay home with the little kids. Yeah. And in the moment, sometimes that's disappointing, but in the end, like. I wouldn't trade that for anything else because of how much I love my family and how like adoption has impacted me positively in that way. Mm -hmm. And so, so I know that you and I have talked before and this is, this is that like downside a little bit that Mm -hmm. we mentioned earlier, but with all this responsibility comes a lot of pressure on you. Um, And I know that that's something that you've worked through or you are, are working through, but talk to us about that process. What were some of the what were some of the heavier things that has come with this for you? Um, I think um, just being the oldest, you have a lot of responsibility naturally, no matter what family you come from. But then also just having so many younger siblings and just the hard places that they've come from. Um, sometimes it is hard because um, I'm expected to. Um, be with them that much more, I guess, Mm. if that makes sense. And so um, I guess it goes back to we can't be like a typical American family where, you know, at night we're throwing a football in the yard and dad's making burgers, you know, and we can do those type of things, but our family looks different. And so I think that's something that I've had to like come to terms with that my family isn't going to look like my best friend's family who has two sisters and they can kind of do whatever they want whenever they want. Mm-hmm. And so that's been something really tough that I struggled with, especially in the beginning and still kind of struggle with. But I think growing up and as I've gotten older, I've been able to see the big picture better um, and realize that even though my family's normal doesn't look like someone else's normal, we can still be happy and together and there doesn't have to be this pressure to be like everyone else Mm -hmm. because our story is different what are some of the things that helped you get to that conclusion um I think just um I think honestly just I think prayer helped a lot just knowing that God has a plan for our life mm-hmm. and it's not going to look like someone else's. And then also, um, I think as we fostered and as we've adopted, 
my love and passion for kids in foster care in general and my siblings has grown. And so that's really helped um, me come to terms with the fact that, yeah, our family doesn't look like someone else's, but our family is awesome the way it is. And we have this awesome story to tell. And I love the story that my family has. And so I think through prayer and just like getting older and becoming more mature has made me realize how good we have it. And even though our family can't drop everything and go on a week-long vacation every year, um, we still have that joy in life. And I think I've learned that through prayer. Wow. The story that you're talking about has covered has covered so much time, but I'm mm-hmm. sorry, so much like, what am I trying to say? So much in such a little time. And I know that you've learned a lot, your family's learned a lot, and then your role has not not necessarily changed because you were always the oldest and your mm-hmm. personality was, I'm sure, set in stone early on, <laughs> just like mine was. But your role within the family has changed, and that's something we've been talking about. And I know that when we've talked before and you said that there there was a point in time in your life where you weren't sure why you were valuable or yeah. how you were valued within your family, um, talk to us about that. Yeah, so I think as the oldest, um, I do lots of work for my family, and that's not necessarily bad. It's taught me a lot. Um, But at the same time, I think sometimes it's easy to fall into, as a bio kid, um, you're valued for what you do. And even if that's not spoken, um, I remember, like, going on a trip and coming home and my mom saying, oh, I missed you. And my mind immediately went to, oh yeah, you missed me because there was no one to unload the dishwasher when you needed it. You wanted to go do this or you needed to go run this errand and there was no one to watch the kids. Um, that's where my brain went. And my it's like my mom read my mind and she said, Abby, we don't value you just for what you do. We value you for who you are. And I missed you because I came in your room to tell you something and you weren't there. Or I missed you because I wanted to show you this picture on Instagram and you weren't there and so that really meant a lot and it really validated to me that I'm valued not just for what I do for my family and but I'm valued for like who I am and Mm -hmm. how I fit into the family and I'm not like the help of the family I'm not the servant or the maid or and not that I'm treated that way at all but I think when you do so much work for that team that it's easy to fall into that but I feel valued just as a member and as a kid in my family, not necessarily as the, for the work that I do. Absolutely. I mean, it's, I can totally see how you would feel that way because I think that, I mean, I think that that would be a struggle with any big family, especially, but, um, us older kids, you know, I've, I've said that a lot, um, oldest child. And I say that because Abby and I've talked before and we're both like fascinated by birth order effects <laughs> and, both of us are oldest child or children. And so I think that we are naturally pre- predisposed to feel the weight of responsibility more than younger siblings would. And that can be so great, but it can also be so heavy and hard because you, I don't know, you do often feel undervalued or just useful, not mm-hmm. wanted or, you know, whatever else. And, and it, often I'm sure that that's just in our heads or whatever, but what were some of the specific things besides that one incident that your parents did to change that in your mind? Like to change me from being like to change value that perception. Oh, okay. Um, I think something that they do, they're really good at is spending one-on-one time with each one of us. And that's hard because there's nine of us, but even something simple like, Hey, do you want to run to the store with me? I mean, my dad could go alone and be just fine and do it probably quicker, but he wants to spend that one-on-one time with us. And I mean, it doesn't even have to be anything special, but just getting in the car together and driving somewhere and just talking, it makes you feel really valued for who you are and that they want to spend time with you and want to get to know you better and want to know what's happening in your life. Because I mean, with nine of us, I could easily... um, be struggling with a school assignment and if I never told anyone they might not ever know whereas if we are spending that time together I can really open up and talk about what's going on what's happy what's sad what's good and bad and so um I think they're really good at spending that one-on-one time which helps um change that perspective from feeling like I'm valued for what I do I'm but I'm valued for like who I am I think that's so great and it's so important for adoptive parents to know that because 
even though, I mean, I think that that's the fear is that there are so many parents who are afraid, who are afraid that they're not going to be able to, to do that well. So let's not even try, you know, they, yeah. they're, they don't want to get into a situation where their kids might feel undervalued or to where they might, I don't know, that where it might be a struggle. So to hear it being done well, I think that's really encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's jump to the other end of the spectrum and I'm going to, I'm going to ask you to speak for your younger sister, Molly, a little bit, but she was the youngest, um, biological child, but you know, your place in the family was pretty solidified. I mean, Mm -hmm. they could have adopted older than you, but they didn't, but Molly like completely lost her youngest (laughs) child status. So how do you think that affected her? Do you think it was different? Yeah, it was really different, especially with those first, that first sibling group that we had. She went from being the youngest child of our family for 11 years, so the baby center of attention, (laughs) um, to having to figure out how to be an older child because they were so little, but also be a middle child at the same time. Right. So she has really experienced all kinds of birth order going on. (laughs) Um, But it was really hard for her at first to try to figure out that role because she basically was dethroned from the baby position and she had to become this role model and this big sister for these little kids. Because for me, it really didn't change. I just had more people to boss around and (laughs) tell what to do um, as the oldest child. And so for her, she would get caught in the middle of being their playmate, like a youngest child might be, and Mm -hmm. then being their hammer, the boss, wanting to tell them what to do. And I think I remember my parents having lots of conversations with her about finding that role and trying to figure out the balance between, yeah, playing with them and having fun, but also not being the hammer all the time. And so I think as she's gotten older and as we've adopted more, Um, She's gotten really good at being a big sister, and she kind of picks up in the ways that I don't. Um, In some situations, she's more gentle than I am, and in some situations, I'm more gentle than she is. We kind of have learned to balance each other out when we're taking care of the kids um, or when we're playing with them or taking them out somewhere, and I think we've learned to become a good team. Mm. Whereas before it was like, I'm the big sister, you're the little sister. (laughs) Um, And even though we we still have some of those moments of disagreement, but we've learned to kind of like stick together and um, be there for our younger siblings. And that's been a big change. Yeah. I I mean, I can see that. I think that that, I mean, any situation like this is going to be just so tricky. Mm -hmm. And to see it walked gracefully, I think is such an encouragement to adoptive families. Um, But let's move on into just some of the, I don't know, some of the things that you've learned as a bio kid walking this thing. Cause again, we, we, you didn't really have a choice in the matter. Um, I know that you weren't disappointed by it, but it's not like you guys had a family meeting and decided (laughs) to do this, which I know some families do. Yeah. Um, But having not really had a choice in it and having moments of, uh, hey, what are we doing here? Can we just go back to normal? And which is totally normal and fine. Those are normal feelings to have. But, you know, this is a journey that you probably never saw yourself on. And I say that as an adoptive parent who is in the same situation, you know, adoption seems, um, I'm not even going to say like it's great or anything like that, because I think that we all know it's going to be hard, but we don't understand the nitty gritty, the, the trauma, the, the day in day out struggles. Um, and as a parent, that's something that, you know, we make, we make this choice, we feel called to do it and we do it and we learn along the way. But as a bio kid, that wasn't your choice. You might not Mm -hmm. have been called to do that. Uh, you were just kind of along for the ride and it sounds like you've risen to the occasion, but what are some of the things that, you know, you never thought you would learn or figure out or be a part of, but you have been. I think one of the biggest things that I've learned is that it's going to sound weird, but I've learned how selfish I was before adoption Mm -hmm. because looking back, I mean, if you had asked me, 13-year-old Abby, are you selfish? I would have said, oh, no, like, (laughs) not at all. But looking back, I mean, I was self-centered and not that I don't ever have moments of self-centeredness now, but I basically thought the world revolved around me and what I wanted and what I wanted to do and accomplish. Um, And I wasn't aware of kids in foster care like I knew there were kids that didn't have what I had but it wasn't a reality to me like I don't even remember 
thinking about foster care at all. Like, I don't even know how I discovered that it was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the biggest thing that I've learned is just how to care for others and how to consider them better than yourself. And that's been really hard in some situations because we've had kids or foster kids come into our home where it's really hard to consider them better than yourself. Um, but that's something that I've learned throughout the process. Yeah. Um, what have you learned about trauma? I've learned that it's a real thing. It's not <laughs> like this mystical this thing. This is real life. <laughs> yeah. Um, I love that you just said that because that's the exact thought I've had that it's not this just like, you know, yeah. m- mystical thing that's out there like, oh yeah, trauma. Yeah, quote it's unquote. like tangible almost, like not tangible, but it's a force. Yeah. Yeah. You can see it and feel it. Um, I've learned that it affects the way kids' brains function. I don't think I really realized that. I considered trauma something bad that happens to you, not necessarily how you react to that thing or how your brain reacts to it. And so I think just having kids that have been through trauma and not only having them but seeing the long-term effects of that, um, it's really shown me how to be sensitive and care about their needs and their feelings to try to help them cope with things that have happened or triggers that trigger some kind of traumatic event in their life. What are some of the things that trauma has caused, um, you know, damage to you, honestly? Um, when you say that, the first thing that comes to my mind is one of my brothers, um, has PTSD like symptoms. And so one time I was I was 13 or 14 and he was eight or nine and we were playing a rough game in the front yard and we were playing like a wrestling game where someone throws the ball and then you wrestle to stand up holding the ball, um, kind of like King of the Mountain or something. Mm-hmm. And we were playing it together and we were having fun. It's a game that we had played my whole life. And I looked down at my brother and his face, I mean, almost goes white. And he starts shaking and just ramming his head repeatedly into my stomach. And I kept yelling, stop, stop, stop. That hurts. I mean, it was hurting me. Right. Um, And he wouldn't stop and I couldn't get him off of me. And so I started yelling for my parents and they came running out of the house and pulled him off. And that was the first time I really realized what trauma could do because it wasn't me that was hurting him and he was having to defend himself. I just triggered that response to something in his past where someone had hurt him and he needed to defend himself. Mm -hmm. And so that day, I mean, he stayed in his room the rest of the day, not because of punishment, but he was just mortified that he ever did that because he came back to his senses and realized that he hurt me out of that fight or flight reaction. And it took our relationship a while to heal after that Mm. because I really didn't understand what had happened and he really didn't understand what had happened. And so we had to have a conversation. My parents had to have a conversation with me about, I mean, what these kids have been through and how trauma works and how um, his brain just associated that physical contact with a time where he had to use physical contact yeah um and so that was the time that I really remember it being like whoa trauma is is real and so I think knowing what I know about trauma now has helped me relate to the kids that we have or my siblings even because now I know like me and my brother now we don't play that game anymore and we don't rough house anymore um just because I know that about him now and we're able to move on from that. And we have a great relationship now. Um, but that was the time when I really remember seeing trauma in full force. Yeah. So what are some of the, I mean, what what's one of the like biggest, biggest sacrifices you've had to make for your family or just biggest time or one of the, um, one of, what am I trying to say? Sorry. One of the harder times where you're just kind of like, I don't know, I wish this wasn't my life or this would be awesome if this was not happening right now or whatever. What was one of the harder times like that? Um, I think in general is just um, when my friends will text me and say, hey, do you want to come meet us somewhere? And I'm not able to do that because I'm helping with little kids. And, And there are some points when I love that and I always love my family. But there are some points when that's hard because... I do want to go and I do want to spend time with them or I do want us to be able to go as a normal family out to eat. Whereas 
you can't really do that when you have nine kids because it costs $300,000 or, you know. Um, So there are times like, and it kind of goes back to the normal family versus not normal family thing. Um, And I think that's been the biggest struggle that I've had to kind of deal with is we're like, we're not always able to go and do. We spend a lot of time at home. The little kids spend a lot of time at home because that's where we work the best, especially because they're so little right now. Yeah. Um, That's your home base. (laughs) Yeah. It's our home base, our safe safe place. (laughs) (laughs) I know that. (laughs) Yeah. And so that's been hard to find that balance of, because I am such a goer and a doer and I want to do all the things all the time. Whereas my family can't do that. And Mm -hmm. I've just had to come to terms with that. Um, And as they've gotten older, um, we're able to do more things. I'm able to take one or two of them with me when I go places and, not have tantrums and people running away and stuff like that um but it's something that's been hard to try to realize is we can't always go and do everything and that's okay yeah so okay we've established that you are wise beyond your years (laughs) and that you're just a really good person but be honest do you have moments of resentment do you have moments of of still just being kind of over it or I don't know bitterness about the situation I think I have moments. I do have moments. Not as often as I used to. um, But there are moments, especially I think after this last adoption of the two older ones, that was really hard because um, there's this stigma around older kids that they cause more problems and and that's sometimes true because they've been through a lot. Yeah. But my relationship with them is very different than my relationship with the little ones. Um, And so that's been really hard, especially when you've got a 13-year-old that's causing chaos in your house and you're in your room and you're like, why is this happening? Could we just like not have this going on? Could we not have this chaos? Mm -hmm. And I don't think I ever wish that it had never happened. Sometimes I just wish it was easier or we could just move on faster past it yeah um and just that they could like get it together i know i have feelings like that where you're like goodness like pull yourself together right like sometimes my parents are talking to one of the older ones and the older one keeps talking back and i'm like no no don't do it i'm in my room like no no mistake number one mistake number two um i'm like trying to cheer them on like coach them through this because i'm like we don't want this chaos or this showdown to happen right um but I guess they need that to learn and um I guess I need that to grow to just come to terms with the fact that this is my family and this is the family that God has given me and I think sometimes there are moments of wow I wish this would not happen yeah um but it's it's getting better as I'm getting older and just I love my siblings more and more each day and so I think think it's a testament that, you know, you're 18 now. Mm -hmm. You're uh, released. (laughs) You've been released for a while. But I just mean, like, if you were going to bow out, now would be, like, an appropriate, acceptable (laughs) time for that. And you're choosing to stay. Why is that? I think um, it's really because I love my family. Um, But then there's also the flip side of sometimes I do feel, like, not obligated, but almost what would my family do without me and I think sometimes that's healthy and sometimes that's not um, I think that's a good way to say that sometimes it, but it's true yeah. yeah so like when I go on a trip like I just miss my family and all of my friends are like oh no I'd be happy to get out of that house I mean with all those kids and I mean there are moments of like oh I'm glad I'm not home right now but then at the end of the day I really do love my family and people always ask me like how do you love them like you were born into the same family? And really, to me, it's no different. Like, I love them each so much that I miss them when I'm gone. And I don't want to move out and miss them growing up um, because a lot of them are still so little. And so I think part of it is, yes, I want to be at home and watch them grow up. And then part of it is, like, I have to help my family. Like, we're a team. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that my mom has really instilled in us is, I mean, she says daily, we're a team. We work together. We're a team. And so. Yeah. She's kind of the yeah. queen at that. Yeah. Yeah. She's, she's the motivator behind us all. She's full of good wisdom. 
Um, so do you think, ultimately, do you think that this has made you a better person? I really, I think it has. Um, I always tell people, um, when I talk to, um, foster parents or I talk to people who are going to be foster parents, the main question they ask me is, are, is foster care and adoption going to ruin our kids' lives? Yeah. I mean, that's literally what they say to me. It's a legitimate question. And I always tell them that aside from like accepting Jesus in my life, adoption is the best thing that's ever happened to me. And that surprises a lot of people because they're like, whoa, really? Are you serious? And it really has because it's not only shown me how to care for others, but it's also shown me how like Jesus cares for us Mm -hmm. and how I'm adopted into his family. Like I don't deserve it. Like these kids don't, not all of them deserve it. (laughs) And so, um, it's, it's changed my heart in a way that I don't think anything else could have. Yeah. Oh, I I mean, as a parent, I know that you sound like a parent in so many ways, so many (laughs) things that you're saying, but let me, okay. So let me throw this one at you. Do you think Molly would say the same thing? I think she would. I think she would definitely say that it's changed her and I can see that it's changed her um in a lot of the same ways but then there are some different ways um because we don't have the same role Mm -hmm. um so like I think I mean it's definitely changed us both and I think in the selfless department I think it's changed us both I can see her daily I mean just sacrificing a lot Mm -hmm. and putting others before herself but then there are other ways and I think she might answer differently in a different way that it's changed her I mean because it basically changed her her role in our family so she might say a little different but yeah so before we jump into these closing questions you know I, I often post on Facebook just asking if anyone has any like crowd questions for whoever I'm interviewing and all the questions were things we've already talked about except um <laughs> the question was what questions do you have for a teenage bio kid from an adoptive family And Kelly Crouch, shout out to season one, episode two, the most hilarious person on the planet. I love her. Said, why don't you listen the first time? Can you put your phone down? These are questions that I ask my bio bio team frequently. (laughs) I just had to throw that in there because Kelly's really, really funny. Um, Okay. But as far as closing questions go, you ready for this? Yeah. Good deal. So what do you wish that someone had told you at the beginning of this journey? Um, I wish someone had told me that um, your life is never going to be normal again, but you'll find your new normal. And I remember my parents kind of touching on that, but I wish someone had just looked at me and said that to me because I think at the very beginning, I just wanted my old normal and I wanted my life how it was mm. because I didn't know that we could ever get it back together again. Right. Um, but now, like this is our normal and I can't imagine my life not how it is. And so that's how I know, like we found it, like this is our new normal and this is my life now because it's so weird to think of my siblings not being there and us not being an adoptive family. And so I wish someone had told me that. That's a good one. I wish someone had told me that too. (laughs) This is so hard. You're just like, my life is ruined. (laughs) Really, really. But you'll get it back together. (laughs) Okay. Cover your ears, Jen. And Abby, you have to be honest. (laughs) What is something that you wish your parents had done differently in regards to you as their their bio Um, kid? I wish we would have been prepared more up front. And I don't really know how much my parents could have helped with this because they didn't even really know truly what they were getting themselves into. But I wish I had known about trauma and that our life, it's not like these cute preschoolers walk in the door and you're a big happy family going on vacation. Right. Um, I didn't know that. And I didn't know how um, they were going to be angry or how they were going to be sad or um, how to deal with behavior. I didn't, I wasn't used to seeing my parents um, as such like disciplinary figures because they acted that way when me and my sister were little, but I hadn't seen that side of them in a long time. Right. And so I remember being frustrated frustrated with them that they were constantly on these little kids trying to instill these expectations when really they did that to me when I was little. I just don't remember. Right. And so I wish I'd been more prepared for what was going to happen because I feel like in the beginning we were just kind of thrown in 
and we did I didn't know what to expect at all um so yeah no that's a good one I think that I mean I would echo that for myself even so that's great so what is um what is your favorite way that your tribe and by that I mean your friends not your family's friends but just your friends how is how have they supported you or made you feel I don't know secure or safe or whatever through this process maybe when you're confused or you're frustrated or you're scared or sad or just whatever how have they supported you I think just listening is a big thing because my friends really don't understand the Mm. adoption world. I mean, they just don't um, because they haven't walked through it. And so I think just listening and I mean, you don't even have to say anything back, just being there to listen and reassure me that it's going to be okay. Or if you know, my family is struggling with a certain kid saying, Instead of saying, hey, Abby, how's your family doing today? Saying, hey, Abby, how are you doing today? Mm. Do you want to go to lunch and just get your mind off things? Do you want to go grab coffee? Hey, my family's going to Silver Dollar City tomorrow. Do you want to come? And just making sure that, like, I'm okay, even if something's falling apart in our family. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people see that and say, oh, Abby, how's your mom doing? Or, oh, Abby, how's this kid doing or they they want to they want to hear about the drama which i mean i think that's a normal human reaction we want to we want to know what's happening but to shift that focus right and most people like mean well but at the same time as from a bio kids perspective like i appreciate when people ask about our family and i know my mom appreciates when people ask how she's doing but it means a lot to me when people look at me and say abby i know this kid has been struggling why don't we go to coffee and you can just get out of the house for a little bit even though i'm not directly involved in the chaos that's happening in my house it's good to get out you know yeah have people listen oh that's a really that's really great so on the flip side of that what is a way that you've felt hurt or misunderstood I think um when people don't understand but then don't make an effort to understand Mm. um I mean because it's it's hard when, so say we have a stressful like court date coming up and I say to my friends, hey, could you be praying for us? We have court. And they say, oh, are you adopting so-and-so? Or, oh, what did your parents do? Like as a joke, you know, right. or, and that's hard because they don't understand why we're going to court, but they're also not like making an effort like, oh, what's happening? What can I specifically be praying for? Um, and it's just hard when people don't understand the hard things that you're you're going through because ultimately like the people around you you just want them to understand and I mean even with family members like people don't get it and so (laughs) people don't get it at all I heard that and so that's hard whenever you're upset about maybe a foster placement going home or um one of my siblings is really struggling with anger or something else um that people don't get it and they don't always try to get it yeah so if you had to sum it all up into one piece of advice or encouragement for for bio kids or um, you know what I'm gonna make this a two-part question so first of all what's the biggest piece of advice for bio kids who are in a situation like yours um well, the first thing that came to mind is hang in there. Mm. I think it's easy to get caught up in the daily drama and the daily confusion and the daily emotion. But I think if you can hang in there and just see the big picture, because looking back, I see how far my siblings have come and I see how far I've come and um, how much our family has changed and grown. Um, and I think I would just tell them to to just keep going, to just hang in there, to just trust that God has a plan and um, it's perfect. Yeah. I love that. So on the flip side of that, so what would be the biggest piece of advice or encouragement for parents who are trying to, to balance that with their, with their bio kids and their adopted kids? Um, I think just, I would tell parents, um, it's going to be harder than you ever like can imagine, like physically or emotionally and spiritually, but it'll be worth it in the end, not only to you, but to your bio kids. Yeah. Because even, I mean, they might not react the way that you want them to react in the moment, but I think in the long run, it's hard for it not to change your heart. Absolutely. Oh, I think that that's a great 
I don't know. That's a great like quote. Just it's hard <laughs> for this to not change. I mean, and I've heard people say that when you when you adopt or you foster, you're you're giving a gift to your bio kids. And I know it doesn't always feel like a gift, but would you agree with that quote? Yeah, for sure. I think um, it's almost like um, discipline. I think like it's painful at the time, but in the end, you're so glad your parents disciplined you because you're a good person. And so, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully, contributing <laughs> member to society. <laughs> um, and so I think it's like that, like in the moment, it's going to be hard to adopt. I mean, your kids might not be like, thank you, mom and dad, for this amazing gift, because I would not have said that. <laughs> I would not have said that when I was 13. I would have been like, really, this is a bad gift. But this is what we're doing. now, Right. But now, I mean, it's the greatest gift. And I don't even really think my parents thought of it that way. I don't think they thought oh, we're going to give this to Abby and Molly. Um, <laughs> but I think looking back. I mean, it's been the greatest gift because it's changed who I am. Yeah. So taking that forward, do you think that you'll adopt and foster? Yeah, for sure. Yeah? Uh, yeah. You don't feel like you've already lived your fair share of crazy, like you're done? <laughs> <laughs> you can wash your hands. And people ask me that a lot. Um, and my answer is always yes, because I think it's been such a big part of my story. I can't imagine it not continuing Mm. um because I think people always think about um like adoption affects the kids that are adopted because they get this family whereas for me like it's the same way I got my family because of adoption my siblings because of adoption and so I mean without adoption my life would be incomplete and so I can't imagine like not doing that or not being involved in at least some way um because it's changed my heart and it's like I have a passion for kids in foster care and adoption. Whew, girl, are you sure you're only 18? <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> like I said, if you have a single son who is respectable and kind and Love loves Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> then you can. I'm kidding, kind of. Um, but Abby, oh my gosh, thank you so much for joining us. Where can we find you on social media? Yeah, so on Instagram, I'm Abs Hutch, A B Z H U T C H. And then on Facebook, I'm Abby Hutchins. Nice. And she posts lots of cute pictures of her siblings. Of the siblings. And, um, I overgram and, them. Yeah, and she has some really awesome senior photos that just. <laughs> I don't know who took them. Shameless on, but, plug. <laughs> I'm kidding. My husband took them. Um, but yeah, so thank you so much for joining us. It's been awesome. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Adoptive Mom Podcast. I know this stuff is hard, and I hope you found encouragement here. Remember, you are enough, and you're doing a great job. God wants to be at the center of this journey, and He is big enough to redeem all of our mistakes. Don't forget to check out show notes and other resources at theadoptivemompodcast.com. Thanks again for listening.